You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here uh, post-Super Bowl. We're recording this before the Super Bowl, so we gave our, our predictions last week. We're both on the Chiefs here, but hope everybody enjoyed the Super Bowl. If you had uh, some kind of Super Bowl party, hopefully, of course, everybody's safe and healthy, but Hopefully you had a good time. You're back at work today. Maybe you took the day off because uh, post-Super Bowl Monday should be a national holiday, but unfortunately it is not. But here we are, a lot of news going on around MSU. Uh, We have some money into the program. We got National Signing Day last week. Uh, Lots of stuff to get to. Before I do, Scott, we're sitting here on a Sunday afternoon the Super Bowl is upon us. We have not gotten there yet. Uh, what's first of all? I guess what's your plan for today? Do you got anything going on for the game? Um, not too much. I'm uh, gonna fire up the projector, which is usually a special occasion event. Get that out for the big game. Um, we're in the middle of a snowstorm today. We're supposed to get like half a foot of snow. So, uh, got all our ducks in a row yesterday. Hanging out the rest of the day, enjoying the snow from inside and. Uh, and going to have a good time, going to have a few beers, have some good food, and uh, and and just watch what happens. Yeah, we got a small gathering. We'll, we'll get a couple people together, and uh, we'll have a good time. I think uh, it, it just – I've watched the Super Bowl alone. Uh, actually, last year, it, it was just me and my girlfriend, and it's it's nice. Like, it's it, – it, it doesn't feel the same. So we got a, a group of like five people that we're getting together, watching the game should be fun. Have some food, have some beer and all that fun stuff. But we got a ton to get to want to make sure we don't waste time talking about a game that, well, by the time you're listening to this has already happened. So we got some good mailbag stuff. We'll talk about uh, all the recruits. Now that the class is finalized Again, we all know by now, if you're listening about the donation into the Michigan State program, athletic program, we'll talk about that um, with a kind of fun twist on it with the mailbag question. We got, man, the schedule was updated. There's so much stuff going on. So let's let's jump in here with a question from our guy, Luke Baker, uh, which is suppose you own a yacht. And you are going on a week journey. What three famous people would you take with you and why? He did put famous people in quotations. So I guess it, it, it can be a moderately famous person, I guess. 
But Scott, I'll, I'll turn to turn to you first here at LW Baker 33 wants to know what three people are you bringing on the yacht? All right. We're going to keep it on theme here. I didn't do this on purpose, but uh, I guess all my favorite people are MSU related. Um, so first and foremost, Draymond Green for entertainment purposes. Oh, he'd be a blast. Um, I, I, I mean, he's just, he loves to party and I want to party with him. Did you uh, see a really quick side note before you get to number two? Did you see him after the Pistons game recently? What he was saying about the... when Clay Tucker went in on, uh, <laughs> I don't even know the Pistons player. It was anymore. some random like G league dude. And yeah, yeah. Draymond just went off in the press just... conference about him. He speaks his mind. That's for sure. He more than usual lately. I feel like his, his press conferences have been very um, vulgar, which I mean, whatever, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not, scared He's away a fan by that of the kind of stuff but uh, I, I don't that's not normal yeah, i feel and, like in uh in sports media <laughs> i didn't are, is he allowed to or does he get like I, a 500 fine every Honestly, time he drops no one idea. of these i don't know <laughs> um anyway draymond's on the, on the yacht uh mel tucker number two because i want to smoke a cigar with him after that photo just kick it on the top deck with a cigar um and then xavier tillman number three because he's just one of my favorite human beings um so like I said, kept it on theme. I don't know, didn't do that on purpose. Um, but I think those three would be a, a good balance, good mix. We'd have a good time. Um, I'm going to throw an extra, where would we go in here? I think if we Ooh, had a week, okay. we would probably just do like all around the Caribbean, maybe the Bahamas. Uh, maybe we could get a private island. Draymond's got a lot of money. So <laughs> well, Mel Tucker does too. And Xavier Tillman will pretty soon. So maybe they'll throw in for, for a private island. I love it. Uh, I is that a, a lot of people are doing these there's the like alaskan cruise or the norwegian cruise and stuff and i don't know maybe maybe it's just me but i feel like the purpose of a cruise is to just kind of chill and do nothing mm-hmm. and let everybody do the work for you whether it's eating drinking um and i feel like if i'm going to alaska or if i'm going to scandinavia like i want to be out hiking doing all that kind of stuff like i feel like the purpose of the cruise is the caribbean it's just you go you chill you drink you do nothing else you you live the pirate's life so i don't know that the whole alaskan cruise idea just doesn't really connect with me I, i can't connect those i've looked into it I've looked into that a couple of times because Alaska is certainly on my bucket list. Uh, the other ones, I definitely agree. I think the reason people like it for Alaska is because of how inaccessible Alaska is from land. Um, and if you're on a boat, you can get to a lot of places quickly and move around quickly um, where you might not be able to do that on land. So I think that's the idea. I think you still spend a lot of the time off the boat. It's not like the Caribbean where you're just hanging out at the pool. You know, obviously you have the islands too, but uh, I think that's the idea. Um, I've, I've never done it. I've done a couple Caribbean cruises, but, uh, but I agree. I mean, if I'm, if I'm going to be on a boat for a week, get me somewhere warm where, where I want to party. Yeah, that might be a good point. I got a good friend of mine, Natalie, if you're listening, shout out, uh, who is from Alaska, who uh, maybe can give me some idea of why people do that. But uh, so my three, I, I cheated a little bit because one of them is dead. Uh, but I, it's one of my all time favorite people that I, I would just, I would die to, to have a conversation with, and especially to sit down for a week, throw back some booze and have a good time. My number one was Anthony Bourdain. I think he would be an absolute blast to just spend a week with 
boozing. And the other side of this too is he can cook all of our meals. So mm-hmm. not only are we just having a good old time, but we're eating some world-class food. Uh, Anthony Bourdain would be awesome. Number two, uh, this is just a totally random list of people, by the way. Number two is John Daly. Speaking of throwing back some booze <laughs> and having a good time, uh, man, imagine a week on a boat with John Daly. Holy hell. I can imagine a couple days with John Daly, a week. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'd survive. I might just throw myself overboard at, by, by that time. And uh, number three is somebody that's a little bit off the wall, but I actually recently listened to an interview with him on the uh, All the Smoke podcast with Matt Barnes and and Stephen Jackson, and it's Jamie Fox. Just oh, nice. it, it's a little off the wall, but he's wildly talented and hilarious. Like some of the stories that he had, he does all these impersonations. Like I feel like he would just be a great like chemistry guy to have on the boat, always having good time, always having stories. And and again, between the three of those, I feel like the stories you would get throughout the course of a week, all those guys have traveled a ton. All of those guys are are kind of known for their partying, known for all that. So I, I think you would get so much just good stuff out of that week. You'd have a great time. So random collection of people but anthony bourdain john daly and jamie fox are coming on my yacht for the for the week i'm not sure the three of them could survive being around (laughs) each other for a week that's like such a mismatch uh pairing i I think you'd certainly get some fireworks one way or another Uh, but no i love jamie fox django unchained is like in my top five i don't know where in my top five but it's definitely in my top five um yeah no that'd be That'd be a good time. And speaking of good times, uh, you know, when we're, we're kind of tying these things together here, another question before we start getting to some, some stuff connected with MSU, Matt Boone at Boone for three. Uh, he, the question, Matt, I, I gotta give you a little slack here because we're asking for questions and obviously you just said crazy night in college and post-college. And I know what you mean. Like what was the craziest night or something, but you know, the, the extra characters aren't going to kill you. I would appreciate a little bit more clarity next time, but uh, crazy nights in college and post-college. Um, I think I could speak for both of us in saying that there, there have been a handful of them that we really, can't remember <laughs> there there there's a foggy memory due to well a lot of booze and i can speak for myself and say in uh taking part in some hot leaf over the course of my four years at michigan state so the memory is a little shot on some of these nights um a lot of these nights we've spent together scott we lived together for uh, a couple years at michigan state so i Man, do any of these stick out to you? Was there any anyone that that really stood out, or any collection of them that that jump out to you? Yeah, I mean, there's so many individual nights. I, I don't know if there's one specifically from college that was like that was the night. I mean, there were a lot of nights that had individual events that, when you put them together, obviously is a great uh, collection of memories. I would say the wilder collection would be like St. Patrick's day. Uh, any Michigan state grads know St. Patrick's day on campus is um, it's a, it should be a national holiday. At least at East Lansing uh, municipal holiday. 
um, getting up at 5 a.m. To, to, you know, go down and start playing drinking games. Uh, you know, you crack the shower beer, take a shot of fireball as soon as you wake up, whatever it is. Um, usually, I, I remember a lot of St. Patrick's Day mornings. Um, I don't remember a whole <laughs> lot of St. Patrick's Day afternoons. I know it was kind of the move to to take that, like, afternoon nap on St. Patrick's Day and, the, and then find something to do in the evening as that well. That nap but... turned into, like, four-hour slumbers, man. Because <laughs> that, that's the, the funny thing is is I have a good friend of mine who's Irish, and I was we were just sitting down. It was St. Patrick's Day actually one year, and we were I, I was asking him, like, man, St. Patrick's Day in Ireland, that must be wild. And we're telling stories. And I was like, Yeah, man, like at our house every year, 5 a.m. We're playing Thunderstruck, where for those of you who aren't uh who aren't a college kid anymore, right? So the song Thunderstruck by ACDC, ah, Thunder. And every time there is uh that they say thunder you just start chugging and until uh until the next time that they say thunder then it goes to the next person so you can stop and they start chugging and there's a couple of the moments where they get into some of the you know some of the verses in the song so you got a solid like 15 20 seconds between so that was kind of the tradition the move is like 5 a.m we're kicking that thing off. So yeah, man, like you said, by, by 10, 11, even like by noon, it's, it's pretty sloppy. So that, but even he is like, he's like, man, that that's absurd. Like, what do you, why would you do that? And it was absurd, right? There's no reason to get up at five because no one was making it past like noon, regardless of what time you get up. And then you hit, you know, the, the afternoon nap and then the, the rally, which, was the hardest part of the day. You can get up at five. The excitement's there when it, when it's like five, 6 PM, you got to drag yourself back up and, you know, get ready for the evening festivities. That was uh, a rally for the ages uh, <laughs> for sure. But, you know, plenty of, I, I remember the, the, the biggest challenge a lot of kids had was that teachers would still require attendance at oh, class. Dear. So you have that I, decision luckily- of like, I avoided any, any situations where I had to go to class or I had to make any like tough decisions. I never had one that lined up where we've had a couple friends who had exams or something <laughs> on St. Patrick's day. And I, I I'm glad I never had to deal with that part of it. Yeah, no, I, I never, I think I got out of every, all of my real world obligations for every St. Patrick's day as well, but plenty of stories about, you know, the water bottle in class filled with (laughs) all kinds of things. Uh, you got like your 10 AM class, you got your coffee and Bailey's at a minimum. Um, but, uh, but no, yeah. St. Patrick's day. I mean, the collection there, there were a few different ones. Um, you know, but I I wouldn't hate if I never really touched green beer again in my life. (laughs) I, I don't know why that's a thing. I genuinely, that, that part of it, if I ever see green beer again, it's just, I stay far, far away from nope. that. There's just something yeah. about drinking green. Like I, I'm the same with like any shots or cocktails or anything. I'm avoiding anything that's like electric colored, like that green, the neon <laughs> blue stuff, the yellow, like, no, that that's. Yeah because I already know how that's going to make me feel in the morning. And I know the green food dye in the beer is not going to make any difference in my hangover, but it just feels like it gives it an extra little kick 
that that's just unnecessary. And if by chance it is coming out one way or another the next morning, yeah, I, I don't need to see that again. Yeah, yeah, no, it's and, and green. I don't know about you, but I mean, green always represents like the worst flavors. Um, <laughs> green apple. I, everyone I know has had a bad experience with green apple flavored vodka in college. Like every oh. single person I know had like a that night with green apple vodka, myself included. I don't know if you did, but um, and it just ruins Mine like was Captain and, Morgan. I can't even smell that stuff anymore. And I'm oh 26. God, the, the apple one. No, just the, just the normal, like that spiced oh. rum. I'm I'm like seven years removed from it, and I still can't even smell it. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of living the pirate's life, I can't do I can't <laughs> do spiced rum either. It is the bottom of the list of liquors for me. But um, no. So moving on out of college, I know most of our you know wild experiences were from college age. But what about? I mean, there was a second half post college. I don't know if you've uh, tapered down your your wild <laughs> nights, uh, but does I have anything since. Stick out? Yeah, I have since. There was a couple um, when after my senior year finished up, there was uh, basically like long story short, my family we all went to Europe together because my grandparents are from Poland, and we we came to bury their ashes basically. Uh, but I decided, but because basically I have the plane tickets already and that's the most expensive part. Like why not stick around? So, uh, my family, we were together for a couple weeks and then I stayed for a couple more weeks and just bummed around Europe for, uh, staying in like cheap hostels and stuff. And there were a handful of very questionable decisions made <laughs> between, uh, Budapest, Prague, Amsterdam that, uh, you know, we won't go into the details, but, there, there were certainly a few, uh, but one night that, that really, it's just one of those where it doesn't seem like much. And maybe it's one of those, you had to be there moments, but, uh, the three actually TJ has been on the podcast before the three of us, Scott, myself, and TJ, we're up at Isle Royal. Um, for those who don't know, that's a little bit North of the upper peninsula national park an Island that's basically dedicated to backpacking. And so we were up there for what, like five nights, six nights, mm -hmm. something like that. Um, you get to a point where you're, you're walking 10 miles a day with 60 pounds on your back. It's hot. We were there in like August sun's beating down on you and you get a little delusional, right? You're, you're, you're down on your calories mm -hmm. We were partaking in some, some extracurriculars, a little bit inebriated. And there was a night we were sitting in a, in our tent, um, or it was, a, it was some kind of shelter. It wasn't a tent, but, um, there was a light off in the distance and TJ looks up. It's like, you guys seeing this? And it was, you know, like if, if everybody can imagine the, um, like an airplane light when you see in the night, except it's not blinking. Right. And this thing's darting around in the sky, left, right, up, down quickly. And we're sitting there watching. We're like, well, it's not an airplane. Right. Cause that would just be going slowly in the same line. It's not like a meteor. Cause of course out there, you're in the middle of nowhere. You get the, the, the night sky fully. There wasn't a meteor cause it's moving left and right and up and down. And it's, it's staying constant. We're just thinking, and, and of course, the first thing that comes into my mind is like aliens. The three of us are like, <laughs> holy shit, aliens. Like, 
and if there's a place <laughs> if there's a place where you're gonna run into aliens it's uh, des- not deserted but it's a remote island in the middle of lake superior where nobody's <laughs> around and no one's gonna believe you right right and our, our minds where tj's freaking out like T- tj's going full-blown panic he's standing there standing <laughs> like in the shelter he's got his no he's got his uh his sleeping bag still wrapped around him uh <laughs> while he's standing up like kind of trying to pace but obviously he's in a sleeping bag so he can't get very far he's just like guys i don't know what to do like i don't know how to handle this situation and like i'm just sitting there silently trying to come up with an explanation but right, we're Kevin's just trying like, to think of like anything we're like okay you're, come you're on. sitting there like, trying to real. like crack tension breaking jokes and like talk us off the <laughs> ledge here and we're all just like coping in our own way but none of us can figure out what this is i'm like yeah man like let's be honest like if if we're abducted by aliens like that'd be pretty cool don't say that man don't say that (laughs) not now (laughs) so eventually like we're yeah we're we're about to kind of like it's like all right whatever like we've accepted it's aliens by now like we gotta go to bed and I think it was TJ who were just laying there. It's quiet. It's been quiet for a couple minutes. And he's just like drone. We're like, Oh, like, yeah, that makes a lot more sense than aliens. Yeah. And keep in mind, um, this was 20 would have been 2016. It's so like five years ago. It wasn't the day of everyone in their in their nephew has a drone, right? Like they weren't, in every household this was kind of like you had professional photographers and other people that had them but they were not something you run across very often in life so right. uh, it was not the first thought that crossed our mind um but it was we ended up hearing them like come back up i think you know closer to our site and they were chatting about it and and we got that confirmation so we could finally go to sleep uh, <laughs> that was but, a solid uh, yeah, it was a solid two hours of inebriated panic <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So post-college crazy night, um, a little bit, uh, off probably what people expected our answer to be, but, uh, certainly a good memory. Yeah. I mean, like, Hey, we could, we could tell you about the, like, Oh dude, we were at the bar and there was this like, you know, crazy, like yeah, that, that stuff is normal. Like we want to give you something a little different. So, um, let's see. Last question here. And this kind of ties into some of the news, right? And again, it's Matt Boone. He says, if you had $32 million, one, how would you spend it in general? And two, what would you want it to go towards at MSU in specifics? One thing I would want is individual seating chairs. I'm assuming at the football stadium. Uh, I would love a roof over the stadium, but I'm pretty sure you need more than $32 million. <laughs> Probably, I would imagine. Uh, I do love the individual seating idea that they do have like the little backrest that you can buy if you're a season ticket holder. That was actually one birthday present that uh, my brother and I, we bought for my dad one year was the the seat back on the bleacher. Uh, but yeah, I love the idea. Scott, 32 million bucks. If you had that and you're not spending any, like if you're not giving any to the university and you just get fun money, what would you do? And then if you had $32 million that you are forced, you have to give it to Michigan state, where would you want that money to go? So if I had $32 million to spend, um, say I win the lottery or whatever, 
first of all, I'm investing enough to retire. I don't know how much that would take, but like I'm setting aside enough to not work or only work, you know, where I want to for fun. Cause I, you know, I like the job, not that I need it. Um, so set that amount aside, start a foundation, you know, help a few charities here and there, whatever, wherever I want to. But the one thing I will say is season tickets for life, like good, either a suite for life or like front five rows, you know, behind the MSU bench season tickets for the rest of my life. I mean, I know you said not going to Michigan state, but that's a requirement either way. Yeah. Um, if I made a $32 million donation, uh, it's all going to one place. And this is for the, the, the students of Michigan state. I think we might it's have the same answer here to renovate. I am West. Yes. Yes. Thank you. We did. So... We didn't talk about this before, no. but I had the same thing written down and I thank you for saying this. It is so long overdue. The fact that they charge, I don't know if they still do, but when we were there, they charge you a gym membership to go to that dump, like on top of your tuition is criminal. It was like, it was what, like 80 bucks a semester or something, which like isn't an insignificant amount of money when you're a student. Not when you're in college. Like yeah. 160 bucks a year. Yeah. So all of it, 32 million, tear the place down, rebuild it from scratch. Just maybe you could save the swim and dive team by building a new pool. I don't know. There was a, a distinct memory at I am West. I was taking a deuce and a cockroach ran under my feet uh-huh. and I, <laughs> Oh boy. I let's, I puckered up a little bit. Uh, but that was one of those moments where I'm like, I pay I'm a student. I am broke as hell and I am paying significant money to use this facility. And there are cockroaches running across the bathroom floor. And uh, like our good buddy, Marshall, he's a, he's a Dayton flyer and uh, they have a beautiful IM facility free for students. Like I know it's a private university. There's like different stuff that goes into it, but it's a much smaller school, less students they get free facility. It had like a four-story climbing wall, pools, jacuzzis, sauna, like the whole nine yards free for students. And I looked at IM West, but you have this weight room with nowhere near enough equipment for the amount like of people that were there. Rats. You had like two basketball courts. You didn't have any like pool, hot tub, like nothing extra, extra, right? It's just basically exactly what you would sign up for for like a gym membership at a normal place. It, oh my God. Thank you for saying that. Cause Jesus, that was the first thing I wrote <laughs> down. Um, the other things that were just kind of fun. Like, I don't know if, if everybody saw it was going around on Twitter. Uh, there was a mock-up of like a gigantic Spartan statue. Uh, like if you took the bronze <laughs> Sparty that's near the stadium as it is and just made it gigantic and like overlooking the stadium, like above the upper deck, like his, his head's like peering down. That was an awesome idea. So I, I would, I would donate a chunk of change to that if, if it came down to it. Um, the other thing MSU related that I had was again, it would probably require more money but a series of underground tunnels that went from at least all of the dorms to all of the main class buildings. So like Mm -hmm. I lived in Brody freshman year 
And if I could have an underground tunnel that takes me from Brody to Wells, for example, and then another tunnel that could take me from Wells to like the engineering building. And so that way when it's February and it's minus 15 and the university's sending out an email that's like, Hey, frostbite alert, make sure you're not outside for more than five <laughs> minutes at a time. But also we know that you have a 40 minute walk to class. Like that way that stuff can get eliminated a little bit. Uh, if we had like some underground network of tunnels that you don't have to walk across campus in, in the middle of February. Yeah. Nice. I do remember, um, this would have been our sophomore year. We were coming back from winter break um, and they canceled the first two days of class for the semester because it was like zero degrees with wind and blizzard conditions and everything. So they canceled the first two days and the weather didn't really change, but they were like, <laughs> well, we can't do this forever. So you guys are going to have to figure out how to get to class. And they did. They sent out these frostbite warnings. They're like, yep. your skin may start to, you know, die <laughs> in 10 minutes. And we're like, okay, but this campus is like 30 square miles. Like, what do you want us to do? And they're like, well, you know, try to like link up buildings and like hop in and out and, you know, cover your, wear two things over your face. And we're like, this is, this is criminal. Um, Especially but- if you're coming from like off campus housing where you have to, like, you have to walk minimum 10 minutes just to get on campus in the first place, let alone if you have to go like down to South buildings or something like that. Yeah, no, I'd get behind that for sure. I had, I, my freshman year, I, I lived in Holmes. So all the way on the east, you know, northeast corner of campus. And I had an 8 a.m. in Wells in the winter semester. And uh, yeah, I had a couple days with like two coats, two scarves, two hats, <laughs> ski goggles, you know, like the whole giddy up and you get to class. And then all of a sudden you're just peeling Drenched layers off and trying to immediately yep. <laughs> awful. I think I dropped that class. Yeah. And then as far as like, personally, if I just won the lottery 32 mil, um, I've, I've thought about this a lot in the past that then I have an easy answer. I would just buy like apartments around the world in, in kind of like hub cities. So I would buy an apartment in Amsterdam. I would buy an apartment in Berlin. I would buy an apartment in like Melbourne, Australia, where I spent a semester, I would buy an apartment in San Diego And just that way, number one, I can travel wherever the hell I want and always have a place to stay, like my own place, right? And then number two, if money ever gets tight in the future, right, I got these investments around the world. So little two birds, one stone, knock that out. Uh, That would easily, if I ever win the lottery, that's that's the move for me. So nice. Uh, but of course, just, uh, you know, this comes off of, again, I'm sure everybody's seen it by now, but Matt Ish, Ishbia, Ish, Ishbia, I don't know Ishbia, how, how to pronounce yeah. his name, uh, <laughs> donated $32 million. He's the CEO of some mortgage company uh, to the athletic program. I know a bulk of it's going to the football uh, facilities, a bulk of it's going to the basketball, uh, some of it's kind of unmarked. So we'll see what ends up happening with all of that. There's some kind of mock-ups of what they plan to do with the football facilities. So um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's of course nice to have people who are invested in the program who want to see this thing succeed because that's how you get the, the Alabama facilities. That's how you get the Clemson facilities is you have these big donors and, you know, like it or not, that's the game of college football, man. And, and there's uh, 
you know, you're going to have to have some of these guys to step in. If I had $32 million to my name, would I be donating it to Michigan state? Probably not. But um, I, I, I can speak for most of us in saying we do appreciate that, that that's what he decided to do. So. But Kevin, what if you had $13 billion? Cause that's what this man is worth. You're not going to give yeah. 32 million to this, to the school no, that made you. no. Like it, it always cracks me up when, uh, like there was, you know, when the Urban Meyer going going back to college route was was out there. Of course, now he's signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. But when he was, uh, when they were talking about Urban going back to school, I distinctly remember that there was a USC grad, a USC donor, who told the school, like straight up, he told the athletic director, "I will pay for the buyout of their current head coach." And I will pay for the salary of Urban Meyer to come in. And I was just like, one, how much money do you possibly have that you can just, that you're so comfortable just paying for the head coach's salary, which is a, what a guaranteed going to be nine, 10 mil. But yeah. like, there has to be other things that you're more interested, like donated to charity. Like there's a lot of things that I could find that are more <laughs> valuable than, giving back to my university, which I've already paid a lot more money than I'm interested in paying for a university. And like, we talked about, I am West already. Like they made me pay money for that. Like that, that place just sucks all of the money it possibly can out of you. Anybody out there who has season football tickets knows what I'm talking about too. Like they, they just, I don't know that that's not the first place my money is going. I love Michigan state. I love Michigan state athletics. Obviously I started a podcast so I could talk about it, but um, as far as like putting your money where your mouth is like, eh, I'm good. That'll go elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it wouldn't be the top of my list either. I might throw some, some change in there to help. Uh, like I said, I am West. It may be on the list um, just for the students. Cause they, they deserve better than that. Uh, pardon me, but shithole. For sure. No. And yeah, maybe I would, I would give some money to a scholarship program or something like that, but no. Um, but look, we, we have a lot that we need to get to here. We, uh, we national signing day is, has come and gone. Uh, we will get to that first schedule was updated. It's very similar to how it was before. Not really a whole lot changed. Um, there were a couple things that moved around, but the, the way it sets up here, Start off the season at Northwestern. That hasn't changed. Youngstown State at home, at Miami, Nebraska at home, Western Kentucky at home, at Rutgers, at Indiana. By week before the Michigan game at home, at Purdue, home Maryland, at Ohio State, home Penn State. Um, I guess what stands out to me is, one, you have more road games than home games uh, with the, the Miami game on the road. Uh, in, in the non-conference. So that's going to be interesting to see how we can handle that. The bye week before Michigan, of course. Uh, but really the thing that stands out is you have, if you kind of take this into three periods, right? The first four games, the middle four games, the last four games, you have two very winnable games in each of those chunks, right? In the first chunk, you have Youngstown State, which should be a guaranteed win. And then you have Northwestern and Nebraska, which are both on there, very winnable Second chunk, you got Rutgers and Western Kentucky. Third chunk, you got Purdue and Maryland. So I think it sets up pretty well to, to kind of sustain some wins throughout the, the whole schedule. 
Uh, Scott, what, what really stands out to you? And then we'll give our kind of knee jerk reaction as far as a, a win loss record before really diving into the rosters and stuff that we'll talk about throughout the rest of the off season. Yeah. I mean, it's it, like you said, it does kind of shape up well for us. Um, you got a tough end of the year with Ohio state and Penn state again, but um, and like you said, the bye week before Michigan, certainly get, nice to have that in the back pocket. Love seeing Michigan in the in the Halloween time slot. I think that's the perfect weekend to play Michigan, uh, both as a student and just where it falls in the schedule every year. I love seeing that. I'm personally really excited about this Miami game. I know it's on the road. It's on my birthday, which is exciting. Um, but it's the first big non-conference show for Mel Tucker's Spartans. Um, I mean, it's not going to be the marquee matchup of the weekend, but it's, I mean, as a Michigan state fan, a really exciting chance to see us kind of measure up against a traditionally strong non-conference opponent on the road. Um, I, I don't expect us to win this game, but there's, uh, as everybody knows, there's so many variables with this program. You never know. Uh, we get a chance to see Derek King, one of the top quarterback prospects in his class, uh, going into his final year at Miami. So assuming be by see. then, cause he had an ACL that ended his oh, year. Right. So week three, right. It's a little late for a normal non-conference. So I'm assuming he would be back by then, but I guess as a Michigan state fan looking outward, like that's something to monitor for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be fun. It'll be exciting. Um, Northwestern to start the year, just like we started against Rutgers last year, it's going to be a tall task. Uh, I don't really know what to expect out of Northwestern next year. We'll see if they're going to try to, I mean, obviously they'll try, but we'll see if they're going to establish themselves as a perennial power in the West, or if they just had kind of a peak in their performance, obviously, uh, Coach Fitz is uh, going to be there forever. I think he's pretty much signed as his lifetime contract. Um, and it'll be a nice test, you know, right off the bat. They're obviously a strong team. They're going to be looking for revenge after we spoiled – well, we were the first one to spoil their season last year. So um, exciting schedule. I think there's definitely some peaks and some valleys. Um, but, but I think it shapes up well, like you said. So let's do just – We'll move on in a sec, but first pass, no real diving into each matchup. Just take a look top to bottom of the schedule record prediction. First try this year. Yeah. Like, I mean, like you said, we'll get into this later and this is by no means binding. We will have a lot more information <laughs> later on. So for the people that, Oh my God, he predicted this. Like our real predictions are going to come sometime in like August. So we have plenty of time before then, but right now, just looking at it. I mean, like I said, there's two winnable games in each of these chunks. I'll go six and six. I think between uh, the, the wins you have here, Youngstown state, Western Kentucky. I, I know Maryland's been a lot more talented and, and they they're bringing in actually a really good recruiting class. Uh, but yeah. that game's at home towards the end of the year. I think, I think we should be okay there. So uh, other than that, at Indiana, right, are, are they going to keep this train going? I, I think Ty Freifogel's coming back, and, and they have quite a few pieces coming back. Um, can Indiana prove that they're more than like a one-hit wonder? That game's on the road. That'll be a tough test for sure, but I don't think it's one that's, you know, chalk it up as a loss. We get Michigan at home, uh, Rutgers on the road, Purdue. I, I think there's enough other winnable games on there that we can find a couple get to six and six, go to a bowl game, show some progress in Mel Tucker's second year. Yeah. I was going to put it right at six and six as well. I think maybe we drop 
you know, a game we probably should win like a Purdue or, you know, I don't know if you can throw Rutgers in there anymore. They've looked stronger, but like a Rutgers, you know, we would typically expect to beat them, but then, you know, you grab a win. You might not, might not expect like a Miami or a Michigan or, uh, you know, maybe even a Penn state. So I think at a minimum, we should be looking for four wins. I don't think there's a reason not to win at least four. I think eight or nine is probably the ceiling on a schedule like this. Um, but anything can happen, but yeah, no six and six, I think looking through here, I think that's pretty reasonable at this point. And let's, let's take this into, I know that for everybody listening, this episode's probably gonna run a little long, but you know, uh, we're doing once a week now, so we got to fit all of our thoughts into one podcast. So it's, it's tough sometimes, but the signing day has come and gone. Like we mentioned, the, the class has kind of filled itself out 19 commitments in all. Uh, we don't want to do the whole, I know last year, the way I did it was basically like, I'm going to go through every single one of these pro- prospects and give you kind of my notes from watching the tape. Like, I don't know. It's kind of boring. I don't really want to do that. You probably don't want to hear that. So the way we kind of structured it is, is in the a superlative sense. So we'll have some of these that, that we'll talk about the best athlete in the class, the the most surprising player, stuff like that, that we'll, we'll get into. And then for everybody that we haven't touched down, I guess uh, we'll, we'll give a couple notes here at the end, just to make sure nobody gets left out of it. But yeah, 19 commitments in all, uh, depending on the service you're looking at, we're ranked somewhere like 38 to 45 ish. I, I don't know what we came out on, uh, the like 24 seven composite or anything they have it like that. At 43, in 43, 24 right. seven. So 10th in the big 10. Yeah. I mean, it will, we'll talk about where some of these guys land, right? Is he underrated? Is he, should he be higher on this list? But all in all, I, I know Scott, you put this uh, poll out on Twitter at uh, Spartan Martin eighteen. For those who aren't following, make sure you do again at Spartan Martin eighteen. Uh, but there was a poll where you basically asked, like, you know, quick thoughts: Does this class exceed expectations? Is it about what you expected, or or are you more or less disappointed? Right? And I responded, I, I think this exceeded my expectations. Just again, like we harped on it so much already, but the circumstances that Mel Tucker walked into with this recruiting class is, I mean, it's unheard of. You, you had to walk into a, a, a situation where as Michigan State fans, I know we don't like to talk about it. I know our, our feelings about it. But there was some some buzz around like the NCAA, you know, coming in and and cleaning up a little bit. Mark D'Antonio retired late. He's getting hired so late into the process. Uh, We're coming off a couple mediocre to bad seasons. Like there was so much that came into it. So for him to come out with 19 commitments and a lot of these guys that we'll talk about, which are, you know, clear cut just good players and a lot of them where, yeah, they might be a project, but the athletic build, the potential is certainly there. I I come away after watching these guys pretty impressed with what this staff has put together. And I think that, you know, when we look into the future, that there is some reason to be excited about this staff as, as recruiters about this class, uh, as far as the talent is concerned, like there was a question just to, to kind of make sure we hit it from Spartan bot one, eight, seven, seven, zero, 
like will Tucker and the staff put their money where their mouth is about getting high ranked recruits on a consistent basis. Like right now, I don't think that's a really fair question because again, of these circumstances and it's his first class, like there's plenty of time to, to put this thing together, but like, did anybody walk into this expecting to get Ma'an Alteote? Like he, he pulled some dudes that, that were really impressive. So I think it's only going to get better from here. And for this to be kind of the basement starting line, I think we're in a good spot. Yeah. I mean, I, I was interested to see obviously the results of that poll. I think it pulled out about how I expected it to probably a little bit biased towards exceeding expectations because everybody loves to be positive. Um, But I think it exceeded mine. I mean, there were only a couple votes for, didn't live up to expectations and I'd love to have a word with whoever those people were. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really strong showing. It was a really challenging cycle. Um, I'm glad we brought this up now. It's actually two days ago. Uh, well, two days ago, as we record Friday, the fifth of last week was the one year since the previous national signing day. So we've pretty much seen one full cycle under Tucker uh, this Friday, the 12th, is the one year anniversary of Mel Tucker being hired. So um, I think this will be a fun time each season to revisit kind of where, where Mel Tucker is. It's a, it's around his anniversary. Um, but he, he did a tremendous job. I think if you, if he would have held on to Rayshon Benny, which we'll get into a little bit, probably won't spend too much time on that. But if he held on to that, I think most of the votes would have been exceeding expectations, having a, a couple four stars, a few four stars, depending on, you know, whose ratings you're using. Um, and really just a well-rounded class. Uh, we're not going to go into the transfers today, but when you do add in the transfers that we are bringing in, I think that this, if you want to include them in this class, it, it becomes a really, really strong class for guys who a lot of these guys have never set foot on campus. So um, yeah, I, I would have voted for exceeded expectations just given the circumstances. I'm really impressed. And I think we have a lot to be excited about. I I don't, the thing with, people who are like disappointed in the class is you have to look at what were you expecting, right? Not what you, what were you hoping for, but what were you expecting? And and that I think is an important distinction because yeah, sure. We were all hoping for a top 25 class and like a handful of four stars, but that's just not realistic. And maybe next cycle, that's what we can start expecting right? This, this 2022 class, I think it's absolutely fair to start expecting that half of the, the uh, accomplishments on the staff go back to why were these guys hired? Well, Mel Tucker is an elite recruiter and all of this stuff. So certainly by year two, you can start expecting more of these high profile guys, a top 25 class. I don't think that's out of the question, but again, you have to look at the context here. So let's jump into some of these superlatives and we'll start with I think the obvious one and that's the best player in the class maybe not the obvious answer but the obvious um, you know kind of superlative and so the best player in the class flat out um, Scott we've spent the last couple days like really watching all of the tape on these guys we've dug into the huddle pages so where do you come out with this the best player in this 2021 cycle yeah, I don't think it's going to be a surprising answer here. Uh, Ma'at Ma- Nauteote out of Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas. Um, 
when you watch this dude's tape, he's just, he's got the whole package given where he's at in his career. Obviously there's areas that he's going to be refining his game as he gets into college. But when you look at him as a high school prospect, he diagnoses plays quickly. He tackles well, he has speed, power, strength, awareness. Um, He just, he does what he needs to do at, at his position. He, I'm not saying he's the next Antoine Simmons, but he plays very similarly to the way Antoine Simmons did. He's comfortable getting through the mess on the inside to stop the run. He's comfortable, you know, covering in space. He's comfortable choosing angles and driving to the football and making plays. Um, everyone else on our, you know, recruiting class, they have positives, they have negatives. Nauteote has definitely the, the highest floor and probably – one of the highest ceilings, if not the highest ceiling in this class. I'm really excited to see him play. Obviously, it's a position of need. We'll see if he starts this year or not. I mean, that's a tall order for anyone, regardless of how good they are to start as a true freshman. Uh, but but to me, I think it's pretty clear this is the best player in the class. Yeah, I, I it sounds like chalk, but I'm going to go with the same. And, and it, it's not because of the star ratings or any of that stuff, but Man, like you said, you put on the tape and this kid is super impressive. The one thing I wrote down is like he as a linebacker filters through trouble like like a great running back does. Right? What's what's the running back trying to do? He's trying to find the hole, hit it, go through and and, and gain yards. Well, now Teote does the same thing but on the opposite side. Like he finds that hole. He knows the running back sees that hole and he's going to get there first. And, and that's something that's really impressive it takes a lot of instincts and it takes a lot of film study as well so I think it speaks volumes to when you watch that kind of stuff that you just see a smart football player on top of the obvious athletic profile that he brings as well so yeah I I mean I don't really need to talk too much more about it everybody has seen this kid by now and and we're really excited he does play a lot like Antoine Simmons I'm glad you brought up that comparison because you know the way that he just kind of filters through traffic and filters through the trash in the middle and just finds his way to the ball carrier seemingly every time uh, that that has a lot in similar with with a guy that should be on his way to the NFL here this year so best player uh, we got a little consensus here Ma, Ma'a Nauteote uh, from Bishop Gorman in, in Las Vegas. The biggest first-year impact, Scott, this – it might be the same player, it might not be. The guy that you think is is going to jump in freshman year and make a real impact, um, I'll start with this one because it's the same guy. I, I just – because of not only the talent, uh, but because of the need at the position, really – like I Gino Vandemark, I think could go in and play somewhere right away, but is he going to be needed to step in from day one at tackle and probably not. Right. So I think now Teote, given his talent and given just the desperate need we have for, for a, a good linebacker, I think he's going to be a guy who can really step in there, make an impact. Maybe he doesn't start. But I don't know if any of these guys really start. So I think that his ability to just get in there and make plays, you know, he'll probably be a rotational guy, I think, this year. So I think Nauteote is going to make the biggest impact. Uh, I got a couple kind of runner-ups, but I'll turn to you with what you think for this one. 
Yeah, and I, I promise to our listeners, uh, we're not going to pick Naoteote for every <laughs> answer th- this entire exercise. But my answer again is Ma Naoteote. I went through a couple other guys like a Chuck Brantley because we need a good corner. Um, but like you said, I think he's just the most game ready. He's got great instincts, which leads to, you know, all these guys are going to try to be picking up schemes and picking up playbooks. That's probably the hardest part about being a freshman. Um, but when you do have the baseline instincts, you know, you're going to be making plays and you're going to gain the trust of your coaches. Um, and when you look at the linebackers we have returning, um, you know, you have obviously Chase Klein, Noah Harvey. We don't know if we'll bring in a transfer, but both Klein and Harvey, who are really the only returning guys who have a lot of reps under them, really want to be that inside guy. I mean, I know we play a two-man set, but the bigger the run stopper, the guy who's playing between the tackles, um, they're, they actually have exactly the same measurements. Um, and, and Chase Klein even was playing a lot of um, pass rush, you know, kind of like a stand-up end. Nauteote is the perfect guy to fill in, you know, like we said, that Antoine Simmons role that's just completely vacant. You know, you can trust him in space. He's got enough speed to play coverage. You may even be able to flex him out to a nickel spot when you want kind of a bigger package out there. Um, and he, he's just – he's ready – uh, more than most of the guys I think on this list if not all the guys so definitely excited to see him hopefully we get a spring game uh well he's not on campus yet so uh we wouldn't get a look at him but um yeah I think given all these guys he's got the best shot at uh, showing us something this year yeah and you mentioned like Chuck Brantley or some of these DBs like Brantley's coming in right now like 165 pounds I, I know obviously he's got the summer to get his body right but it's going to take some work to get in there as, as a freshman, and maybe he does. But uh, I just think as far as a safer bet, he's probably the guy. Most underrated player. So you look at these services, 24-7, rivals, and you see they all got the star ratings. They all got their, you know, he's an 85, but he's an 87, and, and it gets kind of obnoxious. And I think I can speak for most people in saying that, you know, it's certainly not everything. We've seen Darquez Denard come in as a two-star and be a first-round NFL draft pick. So I think to a certain degree, we all know that this stuff is kind of nonsense. There's thousands of college or of high school football players around the country. These services, like, I got to give them credit. Like, they're doing the best they can just trying to filter through and find these these guys and evaluate them based on highlight tapes that are only showing the good stuff, right? It's, it's a really, it's an impossible task to be these services. So for as much crap as I like to give them, just because I think it's ridiculous at times, it's an impossible, impossible thing to do. But given this cycle of 19 guys, which one of them after watching the tape, did you think like, man, he's only a a low three-star, he's only a two-star, but I, I think I see a lot more in him. Yeah, so I didn't take it as much around like the the star ratings or anything, but just the guy who should probably be getting a little bit more attention in this class. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's Davion Prim to me. Uh, obviously, we had Audric Estime um, in this class for a while. He was very hyped up. There was obviously some drama when he committed to Notre Dame. We have a, a stable of running backs between the transfers and the guys who are coming back. And I think the Davion Prim commitment, it was early in the cycle as well. I think it just kind of got lost in the shuffle here. This is a really talented running back coming in. He's really well-rounded. He runs through contact with 
you know, really impressive balance. He's hard to bring down. He's got speed around the edge. Um, I, I don't necessarily expect him to make a big impact this year, like I said, because we have such a strong stable of running backs um, as it is. And he'll probably just take a year, maybe even two with the guys that we have to really start seeing snaps. But this is, it was a strong, really exciting commitment that we got early in this, in this cycle. And I just feel like, you know, not enough is being made of him because he he's, he's, I think going to be a difference maker um, in his time in East Lansing. Yeah. I mean, you look at on 24 seven, he's the, what 1069th ranked player nationally 63rd ranked running back 30th best player in the state of Michigan on rivals you head over there he's the the 44th best running back 24th in the state like not really glowing recommendations for his talents most of his offers are Mac schools. And then you got to uh, Ohio or Iowa state, not Ohio state, Iowa state <laughs> and Colorado mixed in there as well. So um, he, he's certainly a kid that when you look at him, he's got all of the tools uh, of what you look for in a running back. He runs low to the ground. He's pretty powerful. He's got some good footwork as well when he's going through uh, the traffic in the middle there. So I think that's a good pick with Davion prim myself i'm going with somebody who i think was a little bit underrated just because of the nature of how he was played in high school stefan johnson is a defensive back commitment out of venice florida uh ranked like he's he's basically just not even on the board like 24 7 has him as the 141st ranked corner 217th best player in the state of Florida. Obviously Florida is, is an absolute factory uh, for, for college and NFL talent rivals doesn't even have him ranked in the state and rivals has him as a two-star kid. So you watch the tape, he's playing quarterback, he's playing wide receiver. He's playing like running back. He's playing corner He's, he's playing all over the field and he, he really sticks out to me because he's one of those like jitterbug athletes where his footwork is in, incredibly advanced. Uh, he, he seems to, when he's, when he has the ball in his hands, it's electric, uh, making people miss getting around in the corners when he's playing defense, he's physical. He, he's getting up in people's faces. He's making hits, making plays on the ball. So I, I don't know where, like, maybe he's not like a five-star kid, but two stars is very surprising seeing his athletic profile. And maybe he's just one of those kids. And this happens every cycle to a lot of people where it's just, Hey, he didn't go to the right camps. You know, he was playing all kinds of different positions. So schools weren't really sure. Does he want to play quarterback? Does he play receiver? Is he play a defense? Um, so I don't know, but what, what exactly happened there? But what I saw is, is an incredible athlete that sure, maybe it takes a couple of years, but I think he's going to make an impact at some point in his career. Uh, again, whether that's offense or defense, he's signed as a defensive player, but he looked pretty darn good with the ball in his hands. So I loved watching Stefan Johnson. He was a fun player to, to turn on the, the tape with. And uh, I just think that this two stars unranked, it was a bit surprising to me. Yeah, no, I like it. I think, you know, obviously we have the tandem of DBs coming from uh, Venice, Florida down there, Chuck Brantley being the other one. So they played side by side. 
Um, and they're both a little undersized, like you mentioned, and they, but they're both bringing a lot of athleticism, like kind of a chip on their shoulder attitude, I think, especially like you said, coming out of Florida, it's hard to kind of climb your way up the recruiting rankings in a state like that. So they may feel like they're a little bit slept on and both of their tapes are exciting. Um, they play hard, they play, you know, with an edge and, and I'm expecting to, especially with the coaches that we have in our secondary, I think probably our strongest position group of coaches. Um, I think they're going to do big things. And the next up, we will go with uh, the best athlete, just straight up the best athlete that you watched, however you want to frame that. For for me, you know, it's it's simple athleticism, whether that's speed, whether that's, you know, for some of these big guys that have good feet. Scott, where, where did you turn here with the best athlete in the class? So this might be a little bit of recency bias, um, but I went with Keon Coleman whenever you see a guy, you know, on a football field who has a basketball tape like his, it it jumps out at you. He's got, I think the one thing he's lacking from an athleticism standpoint is just the top end speed. Uh, He's six, four, he's a bigger guy. It's kind of harder to be shiftier at a size like that, but you obviously have extreme vertical talent, um, you know, impressively dunking the basketball. And you see that on the football tape as well. Uh, You know, high pointing, winning these 50, 50 balls. Mel Tucker mentioned he can run the whole route tree, um, and he's just, is a tremendous athlete. Um, I think that that word perfectly describes him. So I'm excited to see how that translates. I know he was playing in one of the lower divisions in Louisiana. So I think one of the kind of question marks about him is how will he do against high level competition? Um, but just as far as athleticism, I think it's obvious. He just had last night, a 40, <laughs> he almost had a quadruple double. He was two steals shy of a quadruple double and he had 40 points in it so I don't care who the competition is you have to be an athlete to do something like that yeah he had I'm looking at the tweet right now 40 points 10 rebounds 10 assists 8 steals (laughs) I that's absurd um no I I was between two guys for this one of them was Keon Coleman so I'll I'll go with the other guy just to make it more interesting I'll go with somebody that we we talked about a little bit before the pod in a in a different way. Alex Okilo, uh, he's a defensive end commitment out of Nashville, Tennessee. Six foot six, two hundred seventeen pounds. Like he's got the build of like a Kevin Durant. Just his his <laughs> fingertips are touching like his calves uh, when he's when he's walking around. Like just long arms. Now, I we talked about it when he committed that was back like in the, the middle of the football season or something. And we got a chance mm-hmm. to, to hear some of the stories. He's only been playing football for like two years and you, you can tell when, when you're watching the tape, it's, he doesn't know what he's doing. And again, that's okay. He's only been playing for a couple years. Uh, he was a basketball player and I think it was like his mom finally let him play football and you can tell the coaches basically said, holy cow, we have a ridiculous athlete. We, we, we're going to put him at defensive end, and we're just going to say, all right, you see that guy? He's the quarterback. We want you to tackle that guy. And there was, there's like very little technique as far as like pass rush moves, using that length. But the athleticism is bonkers and you can see it in the way that he he explodes out of his stance at times 
the way that he's moving side to side to keep up with, you know, some of these quarterbacks, running backs that are trying to get around the edge, like his lateral quickness is, is impeccable. Like this kid is, is a project. There make no bones about that. You are not going to see this guy in 2021. I guarantee it. But if, if Ron Burton and this defensive staff can, can untap what he has there, it is, the ceiling is limitless because with his like physique and with his athleticism, man, like there is no ceiling, but yeah, he's, he's going to need a lot of work in terms of the, the football part of it. But athleticism is, is insane. Yeah. Watching his tape. Um, all I wrote for him was uh, Marcus Bingham problem project. <laughs> I wrote length and then Marcus Bingham project because he's, He's just unrefined talent. I mean, you, you can see it in there, the potential. Um, and I mean, Ron Burton, another one of our, you know, really phenomenal position coaches who's been consistently, you know, bringing guys in and, and building them up to probably more than what most people expect out of them. So expect to see him in a couple of years, like you said, maybe we'll see some garbage time snaps here and there, but, uh, but it's going to be going to be some work with him. So most uh, surprising player. Now you can take this however you want uh, for, for everybody kind of following along and listening. Uh, the way I looked at it was I've, I haven't really dug into the, the film on these guys until this weekend. So you see a lot of on Twitter about, oh, this kid and, you know, here's what to expect out of this guy. And, you know, I, I, I kind of get an idea in my head about who these guys are, what type of players they are. And then you turn on the tape and it's like, Whoa, okay. I wasn't expecting that. And so I, I want to start with this one because I'm going to go with Cameron Allen and I've, I've seen clips. I, I've heard the people that have, have talked about him you know, he's, he's definitely the wide receiver type and, and he's a, he's a big athlete at tight end. Um, but he, he surprised me in a couple ways. One that he, he was better than I thought it was going to be like, damn, this dude's a good football player. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's a big wide receiver at times. Like they put him out wide. They, they put him out on the boundary. He can box out the smaller guys at the catch point. He can outrun the bigger guys. He's got good soft hands. He's I, I put down here that he's a YOLO ball expert because <laughs> the quarterback will just he'll just step back a little bit and then it'll just throw up what I call a YOLO ball, which is basically like, I don't know, like I know my guy over there is pretty good. Like, I'm just gonna throw it up in the air and hope for the best. And Cameron Allen seems to come down with those more often than not, but the the surprising part was was again that he was better than i thought he was going to be just in general but when he does line up to block he's pretty impressive and you know is is he like you know Gino Vandemark level blocker well no but he wants to block you can see that very clearly pop off in terms of his like physicality um when he does get in there but yeah, you just hear this. Oh, he's a big receiver. He's that dynamic athlete type, but he really impressed me with his willingness to get, to stick his nose in there and, and block, whether that's in pass pro or in run blocking. So I, Cameron Allen was the one that surprised me the most when I actually sat down and watched him. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see him. Uh, Mel Tucker has been talking about how impressed he is now that Cam Allen's on campus. 
um, saying things like he, he does not look out of place in the weight room, which for obviously an early enrollees, I mean, by football standards, not even a true freshman yet. Um, it, it's exciting. Actually, there was a note that came out that, that made me chuckle, kind of unrelated, but obviously he's on campus now and they have some snow up there. He's from Forney, Texas. Um, so he hasn't seen much snow in his life. And he said, ever since he's been on campus, he's, campus, he's been out playing in the snow uh, and he's loving it. Obviously, you <laughs> love to hear that they're having a good time, enjoying campus. You never know how those warm weather guys are going to take to, uh, you know, a January in East Lansing. So love to hear that. But I'm excited, definitely, um, to, to see what he has to bring to the table. But I'm going to switch gears here. Um, first of all, I want to congratulate us. This is definitely a record for the longest we have ever gone in an episode before talking about a quarterback. Um, that's going to change right now. Just wanted to throw that in there though. So who surprised me most? Um, Hamp Faye. I, I know a lot of people have watched his tape. There's excitement around him. I personally really hadn't watched much of his tape um, since gaining his commitment. Kind of an interesting recruit here because a lot of, there was a lot of news or, or a lot of chatter about people being impressed with him in general, impressed with how he was playing, saying he may be under recruited because I think he, so his junior season, he only played three games, um, lost the rest of the year to an injury. And then obviously everybody knows kind of the, the mess that was this past season. I don't know if he played at all this past season um, and now he's on campus, but I watched his tape, uh, the three games he did have from his junior season and I was really impressed by a lot of things. He moves through his reads really quickly, which at a high school level is not very common. He's got great quick uh, footwork and quick feet. He moves around in the pocket well. He keeps his eyes downfield. He extends plays, keeping his eyes downfield. A lot of those high school guys with good legs will, uh, as soon as they break the pocket, they're looking to run. He just extends the play, um, keeping his eyes downfield, circa Aaron Rodgers, if you will. Um, and, and makes plays. And then he does when he needs to make plays on the ground. He's not afraid of contact. He runs well. He kind of runs almost like a running back when he needs to. So, um, and on top of all that, he has a good, strong, accurate arm. So, like I said, very minimal film. We'll see how it translates. I'm really hoping we get to see him in the spring game because he is an early enrollee. So he would be participating. Um, and, and quarterbacks are always fun and exciting. I, I don't think he'll be in the mix for the competition this year, but if somebody like Anthony Russo does start for one year here, I expect Hampton Fay will be getting a, a really strong look um, for the 2022 quarterback slot. Yeah, he's a fun player, man. Like as an athlete, he goes out there and there was a couple plays where he's like hurtling dudes out in the open field. Uh, so that that's certainly, no, he's not Lamar Jackson, but um, he's, he's a really impressive athlete and yeah, he, he can hit pretty much all levels of the field. And I, that was the thing that really stuck out and something that you talked about. First of all, I want to clip that, that for the headline here is Hampton Fay is the next Aaron Rodgers, but, um, no, it's, <laughs> he does do where, where he'll roll out to the right and he'll have plenty of space to run and go get six, seven, eight yards. Uh, but he'll keep his eyes downfield. He'll find a guy, you know, for a 25, 30 yard gain. And for, especially for high schoolers, that's really impressive. Guys tend to rely on what they know and that's their legs, right? They don't want to rely on the receiver dropping it. They don't want to make a mistake and throw an interception where their coach is going to yell at them. 
they'll they'll traditionally when you watch these high school quarterbacks they'll take what's in front of them and they'll they'll get that six seven yards but he's going out there with that kind of playmakers mentality um and I, I really like that. So Hampton Fay, he did surprise me a little bit as well. I, I, I really liked what we've seen out of him so far. And hopefully, yeah, he can get in here under Jay Johnson and, and make some noise here in the next couple of years. A couple more that we want to get to here. Uh, this was the most fun player to watch, right? Again, however you want to take that, just the guy that while you were watching, you found yourself like, man, this is a fun player. I'm smiling. I'm enjoying this. Scott, I'll let you kick this one off. Who was the most fun guy that you sat down and watched? Yeah. So I, I mentioned him a little bit um, earlier, but the guy that really stuck out to me was Chuck Brantley, Charles Brantley out of Venice, Florida. Um, we were talking about him a little bit when you mentioned Stefan Johnson. Um, this dude is an absolute athlete. Um, actually, both of those guys were track guys um he's got a lot of speed he plays it in the return game he had a couple really impressive returns on his tape um but you can tell he he plays with a chip on his shoulder you know he brings kind of a mean attitude to uh, to his matchup he takes things personally which at the cornerback position you're going up against wide receivers who are doing exactly the same thing and and I personally love to see that attitude Shakur Brown kind of had that this past season and it obviously uh went a long way for him uh, but in general, I mean, for a guy who's a buck 60, he's playing, you know, way outside his frame. I mean, he was hitting hard, you know, jumping high. He was never afraid. To, there's pretty consistently a size mis- mismatch um, on his tape, but he he didn't let that get to him. He was boxing these dudes out for interceptions, you know, undercutting the routes and knocking them out of his way. And he just, he plays, like I said, bigger than his frame. Um, definitely has a chip on his shoulder. I know Michigan state loves to play that up. I don't think we're going to lose that energy under Mel Tucker. Um, and uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. We mentioned there's a position of need at cornerback this year. Um, I don't know how these, you know, first year DBs, how much they'll be ready to, to take on a role like that in year one, but, uh, I'm going to have my eye out for him. Yeah. Brantley, I wrote down like, there's some of these guys that you see come up from time to time and, you know, Super Bowl related. Tyrone Matthew is one where they just seem to always be in the right place at the right time to force a turnover, to hop on a football. And some of that, sure, is luck. But some of it is just number one instincts, like general football instincts. On top of that, like you get some of these guys who who just really study. And yeah, it seems like, oh, he's always in the right place at the right time. It's like, well, yeah, because he knows that that's where the play's going. Right. But with Brantley, I wrote that down. Like he just, when he's tackling, he gets his head on the ball and he can force a turnover that way. When he's, when he's playing out in coverage, like he's got good ball skills, but he always puts himself in a position to make a play. He's not out there just covering the receiver for the sake of covering the receiver. He's out there to try to make a play, make a turnover for his defense. So I thought that was really fun when I was watching him is just that kind of um, instincts that he does have. Now, for me, I, I have one that Michael Gravely is was so fun for me to watch. He is not one of the, the highly touted guys in this class, defensive back out of Ohio. He loves to hit man, this guy was out there lighting people up for his entire highlight tape. 
And that was something that, that kept catching my eye with all of these defensive backs and really everybody in general, when you go through the offensive line as well, like this is a physical football class, man. And uh, Michael Gravely was a dude who just, he's a defensive back and the first like four minutes of his tapes are hits. Like there, there's very few, like, yeah, this was a good pass breakup or interception or something like he's just out there killing people. So I loved watching that. He came in with just absolute bad intentions and that was a lot of fun to watch. So Michael gravely, you know, we'll see what he turns into in the future, but for my money, that's a guy I want on my team. Yeah. He's a guy who stuck out for me as well. He has an awesome name for somebody who's going to be laying the wood out there gravely. Um, I think it's perfect for, if you're uh, you know, someone who loves, loves the name game. Um, and one other thing that, that I want to mention about him, he played a lot of uh, nickel or hybrid nickel safety. He's listed as a safety. Um, obviously you could generalize that as a defensive back, but if somebody like, gross does go to the outside kind of as expected this season um this could be a guy he's an early enrollee who could get a look at that uh that nickel corner safety hybrid position that they're starting to move into on this defense so keep an eye out for that I don't know if he'll be ready for that but uh it it did look like a natural position for him in high school so uh maybe he'll get a look yeah, so that's that's about what we have here for the superlatives. Uh, I want to just kind of run through the rest of the list uh, just to kind of make sure we hit on these guys. Scott, does does anything else stand out to you as far as maybe a guy that we haven't talked about yet? I have a personal, like, recruiting crush here, guy who not a lot of people are talking about probably, but Hank Pepper. Want to touch on him? He's a long snapper commit. I, we've he talked was, about this before. I we still don't believe as a as the Standing Room Spartans podcast will not accept this conspiracy that he's not related to Tabor Pepper. It's no, I I, I think there's a higher chance that they are, but don't know they are related <laughs> uh, because you just don't get elite long snapper talent with a last name like Pepper and just randomly twice in two separate families. It doesn't happen. But anyway, Hank Pepper. Great long snapper. Um, a little bit has been made about his uh, ability at linebacker. And he was like an all-conference linebacker. I think he's uh, out of Arizona. Um, got some accolades in his natural position there on defense. At a minimum, having him, you know, on the punt team, maybe you throw him on the kickoff team, you know, some other places where he can make, make plays. It's a great ad for as a special teams guy. Maybe he's just a career special teams guy. We'll see. But he has, a, you know, a, an outside shot to get linebacker snaps in his career. Um, he's a two or three star guy, depending on, you know, which publication you're looking at. But overall, I think it's a, an interesting upside for, you know, a position that you don't typically look to for a uh, diverse kind of skill set, if you will. No, I love that shout out. Um, as far as the rest of the guys here, like we, we haven't really touched on uh, Gino Vandemark is an absolute stud. I think that he's, you know, he's in for some playing time in his first couple years of his career on the offensive line. Tyson Watson, friend of the podcast, uh, who was on a couple of weeks ago with the interview. If you haven't listened to that, go back in the feed, make sure you do. Uh, he's, he's a lot of fun to watch. He's really physical plays inside and outside. Uh, he talked about it, but he uses his frame really well. That six foot six frame, uh, he he gets his arms into you, and as an offensive lineman, that makes your job very very difficult when you're attacking like that. 
um, good size too at, at 260, 270 pounds as, as we stand right now. Ethan Boyd, six foot seven offensive tackle, little bit of a project, but he plays with that mean streak that you like to see. Uh, Antoine Booth, he's, he's the outside corner that we're potentially looking for. Good size, 5'11", right? So that's a guy we've talked about a few times. Like we have so many of these guys that seem like they're excelling in the nickel, but not a lot of guys that we feel comfortable putting outside. Antoine Booth is the outside corner. So hopefully he can, uh, you know, fill that role here in the next couple of years. Uh, AJ Kirk defensive back out of Ohio, another hard hitting physical dude played a lot of safety in his time. Um, there, uh, let's see here. Who are we missing? Uh, Kevin Wigginton was a big part of, of recruiting this class as well, but one of the first signees, onto this uh onto this team might have been the first if i'm not mistaken but he was certainly one of the first um guys on there again really physical out of new jersey total mean streak and i know he's a really smart kid because uh he had some offers from like ivy league type schools uh brandon baldwin we've we talked about actually before we hopped on the podcast scott mentioned like it's just it might be a little bit of a project but again six foot seven uh, you never know what you have in some of these guys, especially on the offensive line. So you might as well throw a couple darts out there. And uh, Carson Castile, the linebacker out of Alabama. This is somebody I actually like quite a bit. I think he's a bit underrated. He's, he plays violent. He breaks down really well in space when when he's getting somebody out there and he really breaks down, makes sure he's, he's not getting juked out. He's not lunging. Um, and he can step out into coverage a little bit. He's not an elite athlete, but you can certainly ask him to go out in the slot and cover a receiver in his zone or, or go out in the flats and cover a running back. So I uh, wanted to make sure we at least touched on the rest of this class before we get out of here. Scott, any last things that are on your mind before we uh, leave for the week here? Well, keep in mind, um, we've got like something around nine open spots on this roster for next season, open scholarships. Uh, Mel Tucker's made it a point over the last few press conferences to say he has every intention of filling all of those slots before fall camp. Um, So I don't know if that'll be transfers or some, you know, kind of back end commitments in this class, you know, out of some high school players, we will see, I don't know if they can carry those over if we don't fill them to the next recruiting class. I'm not really sure, but Mel Tucker in any event has said he wants to fill these spots. So we should still have some recruiting buzz as we continue, you know, through the rest of winter through spring um, and, and get into the real, you know, kind of fever pitch of the preseason. So um, really strong class. I think there's, there's guys in here that I think obviously you're looking for immediate impact guys, guys you can rely on over the next few years and some guys that have a backdoor shot at, at being something special. Um, each one of these guys brings something exciting. Um, really excited to see how they use them. Hopefully we'll get to see most of them, you know, at least in spurts throughout the year, just to get a vibe of what they look like in the green and white, but, uh, exciting times. Hopefully we'll have another exciting week. Um, I, I almost wish we had, uh, you know, these topics spread out. Cause I think a few of the things we went over today could have been their own episode, but, uh, no fun episode, fun week and, uh, excited to see what's next. Yeah. The people gave us some good questions. So we had to make sure we address them and yeah, it went a little bit long today, but uh, again, when we only have one episode per week, sometimes there's a lot to get to 
And again, we love the fan questions from Twitter, from the Apple podcast reviews and all that stuff. So keep those coming. We have a lot of fun answering them and talking about it. So uh, for everybody, make sure you follow on Twitter at standing room MSU and at Spartan Martin 18, uh, the Instagram, which I need to make sure I'm like staying up with that. I know it's like in a behind the, the curtains aside, uh, but follow on Instagram at standing room Spartans. I'll make sure to, to start getting the content back up there. We're starting a YouTube page here soon. We're hopefully going to get that off the ground. Um, so when we do, uh, we'll make sure we keep you posted on that. Uh, and if you haven't already, make sure you subscribed, rate, review, all that fun stuff. Share with any of your friends and family who you think would appreciate the podcast. And have yourselves a phenomenal week. Take care, folks.